Hey, everyone, and welcome back to our third episode of The Biz, Fourth Quarter Report. We have three folks who have had a very busy legislative session this year, um, and here to talk all things carbon capture and energy policy is our um, energy Director of Energy, Lauren Haddon, Lobby Board Member Brian Hanks, and Chairman J.P. Cousin. So, Lauren, I'll kick it off to you. Thank you, Mary Beth. First, thank you to our guests for coming. We have Brian Hanks, who is the president and CEO of Beta Land Services, and Chairman Jean-Paul Cousin, who's a representative from District 45, and who also chairs Nat- House Natural Resources Committee. So thank you both for being here with us today. Good morning. Good morning. So let's just get right into it. We've spent a great deal of time over the last few weeks talking about carbon capture. You know, it's been a hot topic at the Capitol. There's been a lot of bills that have come up nine to be exact. So, Brian, why don't you go go ahead and give us an overview of what carbon capture is before we dive into kind of the legislative specifics of where we are right now. Okay, so carbon capture comes in many different forms. Uh, Each project has its own DNA. So a lot of times it's very easy for the general public to understand, not understand the differences between the different types of projects. You have the projects, for instance, that uh, in Caldwell Parish, where there's actually going to be a plant built and they will create their own carbon and then they will inject it into the ground all within the same footprint. Then you have the other projects that uh, in Southeast Louisiana, several, which they will have different uh, instead of um, the one in Caldwell will be diesel, the uh, Creed diesel, the one in Southeast Louisiana, one of them will deal with ammonia. And and so you're going to have hydrogen. There's going to be different aspects and different purposes for each of these. And each of them will have have their own like purpose and revenue stream. The thing about it is you will capture either existing plants and and convert that capture and inject locally. Or in some cases, it will be piped into another parish or parishes down the road uh, and then inject there because the geology lends itself to it. And then others, they even capture, if you go northwest Louisiana in the Haynesville, there, there is a, a project on the books where they are going to be capturing carbon associated with the oil and gas production up there, ship the gas down to the LNGs, convert it to LNG, and that will be sent to Europe in the LNG markets there. And they dictate that you have to have as close to a zero footprint in carbon there. So you can see there's a wide variety of different types of carbon projects and even more being planned. So the and beauty of it is it, it you do have multiple types of projects which lend itself to multiple resources and uses. And why do we see Louisiana as a great fit for these projects? Because Louisiana, we are blessed with our geology. And so probably the easiest parallel for people to understand is we are very familiar with Louisiana being a, a, one of the leading oil and gas states in the country. And because of that, we, we have the potential and can be the leading and one of the leading carbon areas in the country and the world, to be quite honest with you. Our geology provides for it. It's better than anywhere else. Uh, and so that's why industry is looking to come here. And I think, you know, in connection with that, as the session kind of got started, we saw eight bills total that came through that were all in some way attempts to limit or place moratoriums on the car- these carbon capture projects that are underway right now. So, Chairman Cousin, I kind of want to get into this with you for a second. Um, in the beginning, you know, we saw these eight bills recognizing, you know, as uh, from lobbyists' perspective, recognizing the potential economic benefit and the economic impact that these bills and, and these projects could have. We thought that there was a necessity for us to get involved and kind of play a role in educating the public with, with respect to the safety 
um, behind carbon capture and work closely with you and, your, you and your committee throughout the course of the last seven weeks to ensure that, you know, those bills that did put complete stop losses on carbon capture um, didn't necessarily make their way through the session. So I know at present, none of those bills that placed outright moratoriums on carbon capture um, remain, but I just kind of wanted to take a step back and give, if you could just give us kind of an overview of the discussions that took place in your committee or your, um, your, your take on, on carbon capture as we move forward. Well, I think we can start with the fact that moratoriums are not good public policy. So what we were looking at trying to do and what I was looking at from my perspective was coming up with pu public policy for carbon capture that would make it a um, incentivize this new industry to continue looking at say Louisiana. If we right. put moratoriums, they could easily just go over to Texas or even Mississippi, uh, which may have similar geology, but maybe not the same um, um, inviting business, or, you know, um, business arena that we have in Louisiana. Right. Um, we also have a, a good pipeline system, and so we, you know, pipelines were part of this conversation. Um, and then we have emitters, and so that's also a part of our conversation with the petrochemical industry and the Louisiana Chemical Association. And and they're a really key stakeholder in this whole thing because it's the emitters, who, you know, who want to play a part in this carbon capture process um, to um, stay up to speed on the EPA regulations that they have in place or, or that are rolling out, you know, currently under the Biden administration. Um, so that makes it even more inviting from the standpoint of the state of Louisiana. So, you know, we looked at it from the standpoint of we don't want moratoriums. What do we want? You know, what put, should we put in place? And there was a bill of the eight, you know, there were a lot of bills that I didn't think were favorable, but the speaker did file a bill um, that addressed some of the, the major concerns from the outset, which is, you know, that, that, we, that we have locals involved with the conversations for these particular projects. And the projects are across the state. There's not just one area um, that, that has a project. I mean, we're talking Southwest Louisiana, Central Louisiana, North Louisiana, and, and of course, over in uh, Southeast Louisiana. And um, all of those areas might have a different politics, you know, um, but regardless of the politics of any one area, we need a systematic approach um, and a re good regulatory framework to, you know, who needs to be notified? Do we have public meetings? How long do those public meetings have to go on before the uh, permit permitting process um, moves forward from a state standpoint? Um, and so the, the speaker's bill addresses that. And there was also a concern whether or not the locals were benefiting, local government was benefiting from any of these projects. And the speaker's bill addresses that as well um, by basically saying that 30% of any revenues um, from state lands are going to be given to the locals uh, from the standpoint of how much tonnage is being um, um, deposited, injected. injected into the ground. Um, and so I thought that was a, that's very generous to, to mm -hmm. start at 30%. And that seems to have kind of won the day. And um, I haven't heard anybody trying to tinker with that uh, yet on the Senate side. So we have the good bill that's setting up a framework of notification, um, some local um, benefit. And then we have the bad bills that were the complete moratoriums um, and some more, you know, local um parish by parish votes, which we also thought on a state issue like this, and really it's a national issue and an international issue, um, it's hard to allow one parish um, to vote whether or not they want it because these are multi-parish projects and this right. is really a, a state concern issue. Um, and so we didn't feel like that was good public policy either. So that's been kind of my role is just, just to kind of look at the bills as the chairman of the committee. But at the end of the day, most of my committee members agreed. We did have some uh, members who had filed some of these bills um, and, you know, we had some votes. We had great debate. 
and the debate is ongoing. Um, but it seems to be that the, the state um, is, is looking at carbon capture from a positive standpoint, if I had to just poll, poll my members. And I think you you and your committee did a great job of, of engaging in conversations that, that made kind of both sides felt heard. Everyone felt like they were a part of the process, which I think is very important. And as we move forward, I think, you know, continuing that conversation is important. But you bring up a good point with respect to the Speaker's Bill, which is House Bill 571. And kind of its its uh, take and providing the locals with a certain portion of the economic revenue generated from these projects. And I think that that's something that we certainly want to highlight before we wrap this one up. But, you know, kind of lobbies, big takeaway and big perspective in all of this was the economic impact. And Chairman Kusar, you made a great point about, you know, these aren't, while these bills look to be just local bills, the reality is these bills have a, have a national and, you know, international implication because the reality is, you know, these companies are looking, these companies that are looking to come to Louisiana are looking to invest billions of dollars in this state, provide thousands of jobs. And at the end of the day, if we allow one, you know, local moratorium to come through, or if we allow one parish to start voting on this, these companies are going to take a look at, you know, how Louisiana and how the Natural Resources Committee and the House floor and the Senate floor is handling these projects and they're going to, you know, go to Texas or go somewhere else where they're not, their project isn't going to be subject to being, you know, jeopardized as a result of local legislation and local moratorium. So we are proud to be a part of that process, and we appreciate um, you working so hard with all sides to be a part of that conversation. And one of the points that we made relative to the jobs was that these carbon capture projects are essentially, they're oil and gas projects. And I know Brian's here, right. and he sat on uh, Logan's board, was the chairman of the board. But representing Lafayette, which is the hub of the oil and gas industry, I'm looking at this as a major oil and gas um, industry expansion in the state, which we need. You know, we're in dire situation for uh, many years in the oil and gas industry. And so we're looking at it from, you know, uh, the landmen who are involved, the machine shops who are going to be involved, the engineering, the entire service industry, the drilling industry, the pipe industry, all of those industries that in many cases we don't have as much as uh, on the EMP side in the state of Louisiana anymore could bring them back into the fray. So we also have a workforce that's available, ready, willing, and able to, to move forward. High skilled, high I, wage earning. And that is, that is recognized. I was at a conference last week in Florida and many of the major banks and many of the major law firms and many of the major investment types that are going to be involved. And they did tell us that Louisiana leads the nation, Louisiana and Texas. So they recognize this. They also recognize that we are ahead of the curve more than anyone else. So we, we really do have an opportunity for a transformational situation to convert and, and, and actually use the workforce, use our knowledge, use what we've used in oil and gas, to, to Chairman Cousin's point. That is attractive to industry as well because they know they can come here and, and perform and perform at a high rate and in a timely manner. And so as long as we present and project a positive and welcoming attitude and engage the local communities right. uh, ahead of time, maybe more than we have in the past because it is new. It is new and it's not new. So let me, I, I did my own research. So we've done over 4,600 injection wells over time since going back to 1935. So injecting is not unusual. We mentioned Livingston. Well, Livingston's one of the parishes. Livingston has actually had 11 carbon injection wells going back to 1984. So it's new in one aspect of it, but the other comfort factor for industry is you have been doing it here. So you know it. You know the qualities and the characteristics of all these geologic formations. 
I, I just want to take a moment of personal privilege privilege for a second. So I grew up in Denham Springs, Livingston Parish, born and bred. And I feel like a lot of uh, my family and friends, that's something that they're concerned about is, you know, okay, the, I think part of the problem and what Lauren and I have talked about a lot is the education of what CCS does, why it's a time-tested safe technology. And so could you expand on that just a little bit? If you're talking to you know, a normal, you know, a teacher out in Livingston Parish, why they should care about carbon capture and why it is safe. You know, because I think that's one of the biggest concerns out there. It, it is. And so we are working, Lobby is working with University of Louisiana and Lafayette and also with LSU. And we are getting, there's an outreach program and, and each of them are going out to different parishes dealing with the local governments to try to educate them. And they also invite if there are groups or even classrooms, you know, would, would like that. We can help facilitate that. But, I mean, just the, one of the, the simplest graphics you'll see is when you look at this, I think it's three or four Empire State Buildings is how deep you're right. going to be. And there are multiple. Nowhere near your drinking water. No, nowhere near your drinking water. The state has designed a, a engineering plan, not getting into weeds, but it's over-engineered to, it's for security. And then what this has that oil and gas didn't necessarily have in the past, there are going to be monitoring wells with all these, new, you know, high up-to-date sensors. And so instantaneously you'll be able to detect any move in the wrong direction which is not anticipated but you have the capability to monitor all these things at a, a level way far exceeds anything we've been able to do in the past so it's it's you use traditional oil and gas drilling rigs you use traditional oil and gas equipment and so the mud all the things we do we just reverse the process is all we're doing and if that makes sense and there's no one better suited to take on that role than Louisiana. Without a doubt. So recognizing, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, that there's two elements to this, obviously the and the environmental implications and, you know, our ability to, you know, safely store these, these greenhouse gases is important. And also recognizing the economic implications and the, not, the economic benefits that can be derived from carbon capture. Any kind of last minute thoughts, last minute points that we want to make as we kind of wrap this one up? Well, one issue is the permitting process from a safety standpoint. This is a Good very point. rigorous permitting application. Right now, you have to go through the EPA for your class six permit. And we're trying to get primacy in the state of Louisiana, which I think we've taken some uh, procedural steps to, to get closer to having Louisiana primacy, where um, our DEQ, DNR, um, Office of Conservation would all have the regulatory authority over these wells to the extent that they that they do already. Which is huge for these projects. Which is huge. And, and so the um, environmental aspect will be carefully considered from a permitting um, application process. And I just think that, um, you know, our state has, you know, we're, we are a working state, a working coast. And, and with the oil and gas industry, um, we've learned many lessons from the environmental standpoint where we have come so far um, from financial security before wells are uh, drilled um, to the environmental impact, you know, both on the site itself, but to the community. Um, our permitting process probably will be the envy of, of the United States when we're done with coming up with our, our when we get primacy on these, um, on these projects. So I'm really looking forward to that and seeing uh, and really taking a lead on that from a, from a state standpoint. Absolutely. I, I, I think we have a, a visual I might be able to provide that could help the audience as well with one of the, one of the projects that's involved for one of the Class 6 wells. To compare it to an oil and gas permit, it's 15 to 20 pages. The permit for a Class 6 well started at 10,000 pages, 
and the response was another 5,000. So that gives wow. you the comparison and the degree of insight and depth that they're looking at these projects. So hopefully that helps give some comfort too. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to continuing to work with you both and we appreciate the efforts you've put in so far. Um, thank you for coming and, and for doing this podcast with us today. We look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.